0: Hello there and welcome to Community Life. Here we talk about with community experts about their life journeys and learn from each other. Today we have a conversation with community manager, community strategist and community influencer, (laughs) Yuri Lazarek. Hi, Yuri.
1: Hey, Ella. So happy to switch seats. You know, I'm so curious of questions you ask me. So I'm all ears.
0: And so am I. I can't wait to hear your answers. So you've done a few of these before, and you've been asked a bunch of questions before. Um, So the question you always ask people at the end of your interviews and your Community Life episodes is, what should I have asked you that I didn't already ask? (laughs) So what question should somebody have asked you in one of these interviews that they haven't already asked?
1: Wow. Such hard question in the beginning. Okay.
0: I know you're ready for it.
1: (laughs) Not at all, but I will think about. So, uh, one thing I didn't talk too much about yet is um, what language I learned in primary school and why did I stop learning it?
0: Well, you know that that segues nicely from many conversations that you and I have already had, um, and it feels like the perfect time for you to share a little bit more about it. What language did you learn when you were in primary school and stopped learning?
1: Luckily, because of Duolingo, with the help of Duolingo I'm coming back to it, and I'm doing small but steady progress in this way, but it's Japanese. And I don't know why, but for some reason, Uh, When I was five years old, my parents decided that I have to learn some languages and not English. And we had one and only school with um, foreign languages and mainly with... um, I remember there were three languages they learned. It was Japanese, Chinese and I guess Arabic. And for some reason, um, it was the first grade, and I had to pass exams to be um, enrolled to the school. But they showed me, there there was a commission, they did some tests, and they showed me some cards in Arabic, and they asked me to remember them. And after they showed me once again, I had to name them. But I was so stressed. I was a a really small kid. I was like going to school. I was talking conversation with, I was having conversation with some people I've never met and they asked me some crazy questions. Definitely I failed this exam, but my grandparents had friends in second grade. So that's how I uh, got enrolled to the second grade instead of the first grade, which is totally crazy because you never have to skip classes. Otherwise, you will be a small kid for all other classes. And up to finishing the university, I was always the youngest person in the class. And it sucks. You know, it's so bad to be the youngest person. But anyway, um, I don't know how, but for some reason we chose Japanese. And I was really good at it. And uh, I remember our teacher, um, at least I, I don't remember this conversation, but my mom told me that at one of the parents gatherings she came to my mom and told like can you please tell yuri that uh, he don't have to always have his hands up because i can't ask him all the time I, i have to ask everyone so can you please speak to him and tell that uh that he won't be disappointed that it's not like i don't like him i just have to ask others So and uh, I don't remember the name of the teacher, but she was really very great and she told us really, very good. And I believe that everyone uh, uh, who had this class with me had a good knowledge of the language, but then uh, she went to professional development and never came back. And they started to bring some students to teach us classes. And it made no sense because we could teach those students ourselves. And uh, yeah, since that time, I went to mathematical, physical Lyceum. And yeah, only now I'm trying to come back to this.
0: So that is your story of learning to beginning to learn Japanese. And one of the questions that I had for you while you were telling the story is like, presumably when you were first learning Japanese, you were learning it from Ukrainian. are you still using Duolingo in Ukrainian to learn Japanese or are you now learning from another language? And which one is it?
1: I'm learning it from English. From no, English? because I, I almost everything, almost every language, every new language I learn, uh, I learn from English. Because sure about that, I don't know, you know, I know Ukrainian. So it's my native language. I have nothing new to learn out of it. But I still have a lot uh, to learn in English. So that's why I'm always trying uh, if I have any books, I'm always trying to read them in English. If I watch uh, movies, uh, for sure, if not, if it's not Polish movies, <laughs> Polish movies I watch in Polish, but if it's uh, English movies, I'll watch them in English. So I'm trying to, you know, soak as many English language as I can, and uh, it helps me a lot. So yeah, answering Is the answer to your question? It's English.
0: Okay, interesting, interesting. Do you find um, do you find that there's any kind of surprising differences in the way that you were learning Japanese from Ukrainian? and I mean, it was a long time ago, right? So it's maybe hard to compare, but
1: I would say no, because you know in Duolingo how it works that they give you a sentence in English and you can just you have to choose uh, how to translate in Japanese and vice versa. So basically, only thing I need is to understand what they want from me. So in English, in Ukrainian, I understand what they want. For, uh, definitely, I won't learn Japanese from uh, Italian because I do not understand Italian. And it uh, most likely it'd be a good challenge, but I won't show that it will be effective. <laughs>
0: Uh, Yeah, I guess, like, you know, that's like a, that's a good question, right? Like, when we, when we set ourselves challenges, you know, how do we ensure that they're challenging enough, but also that we're effective and we're not kind of um, making it harder for ourselves? Like, how do you typically define that and find that balance in your own learning?
1: Uh, You know, I'm this kind of person who will think first, uh, not no, never think first, <laughs> do first and think after that. So, I believe that uh, with this approach, uh, I'm bringing a lot of challenges to myself. But also, using this approach, it helps me to understand faster if it works. Because, uh, you know, I can think. A lot about any things, but if I never try those things, I will never know how to do it, how to do them. And if um, if they are easy or hard, what way should I take? Because it all be, it all will be just just a theory. So if I I don't know if somebody. Can tell me that it's a good idea to wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning and uh, do some routine and then stuff. So I will try it. I was a 5 a.m. club member for 333 days and it was crazy. I will never be this. Uh, at least if I'm not, you know, uh, living somewhere near the sea when the sun shining starting from 4 a.m. and it's waking me up and I'm like and all the stuff. But in current uh, place, I will never <laughs> wake up at 5 a.m., but I have to try. You know, I have to try something to understand if it's good or not, if it's hard or easy, should I continue that or not. And uh, sometime before, and I had this conversation uh, on between two articles with Lou Branscombe about um, allowing yourself to stop reading a book if you don't like it. Because previously, I didn't allow it. If I didn't like, even though I didn't like a book, I still must have read it till till the final page. It could take me like half a year, but I still have uh, have to finish it. Now, if I'm reading like first, I don't know, 50, 100 pages and I understand that it kind of sucks, most likely the rest of four or five or 1,000 pages will suck too. So it's better not to continue. So I'm I'm trying to I'm st- I'm still learning to understand what to continue on and what not. Uh, but I believe that it's what really helps me to you know choose the way I want to do anything. So I'm trying it. Then I'm like, okay, is it going good or not? Should I change something or should I stop it? So asking those questions helping me to find find things out
0: nice yeah so it's um so this kind of constant iteration um it has like different names in different disciplines right so i think max recently max pete recently wrote an article about design thinking um but also like you know in um in my background of community education it's kind of known as praxis Mm -hmm. um but yeah what i think is really interesting is that you seem to like you almost apply this at like a kind of fractal level so you apply it to like the individual project or task that you're taking on but you're also applying it to your life as a whole like simultaneously um do you remember when you kind of started taking this approach to things do you feel like this is something that's always been innate to you or is it like did you have an experience where you were like oh I can change my mind on stuff and adjust the way that I approach things and I can do this everywhere
1: yeah you know uh I'm still learning and you were a big influencer on me in this space, because, uh, you know, always um, you told me so many uh, great things to think about. And uh, you, to- you also taught me that um, sometimes if you don't have to do everything immediately, sometimes it's good to think what results you will receive in the end. And um, when I was a kid, um, I was taught that you can't change your mind. And you know, it was like this um, cultural, I would say cultural bias that if you are a man, you can't change your mind. And if you like man's word, you know, all this stuff. So if you chose one way, you have to go this way till the end, until you die. But I understand that uh, just recently, you know, I I would say that after starting my international journey and after having a lot of conversation with people and after hearing so many stories about how they did their pivot and how they changed their career totally and how they changed their life, I learned that. Okay, so there are other ways. You don't have to always stick to your word. Definitely, if you promised somebody something, at least you should, at least, you know, me as a man, I should do my best to do what I promised. But if it's impossible or if it's not the best way to do it, we always have to negotiate. We always have to talk about it to be honest with people and to find better ways. So, If it will be um, stop doing this thing or if it will be doing this thing, but another way, or if it will be doing some another thing for this person. So I'm always trying, currently, I'm always trying to find a better way. If I understand that something is not working, the hardest part is to understand that it's not working, you know, because I always like, oh my God, I, I can't make wrong decisions. I can't, like, I should always, have good decisions and oh my god how how can i how can i say that i failed or how can i say that i did something wrong it's just impossible but you know exactly at the moment that i'm saying to myself okay maybe you are doing something wrong after this moment it's getting so much better because i'm i'm starting to think about it and usually talking to other people and collecting a lot of thoughts and it helps me to, you know, have a better decision and uh understand what next steps to take to really achieve some result and not just do something because I want to do it or even though I don't want to do it. So
0: yeah, and you know, this is this is a, a journey, right? It's part of as part of like our whole kind of experience of lifelong learning and finding new perspectives on things. Um so it's no secret I'm a really big fan of your wife. Um, I think she's amazing, and um, I have also had the privilege of meeting her. Which I think you know, if if anybody out here is listening to this, and you ever get the opportunity to meet Yuri and his wife, like you've, you've heard a lot about her already, um, but like, she is she's even better than Yuri makes her out to be. Um, but I want I want to kind of talk about um, the fact that you've mentioned a few times in the past that she's this kind of like this perfect foil to your mindset a lot of the time right sometimes um she's she's your catalyst for realizing that you're going down the wrong path um and i'd like i'd like to kind of go go back into that and maybe like talk about the first time she called you out on (laughs) being on the wrong path um, and how you how you've managed to navigate your relationship to get to this point that you're at now where you have these this these really honest conversations with each other
1: You know, it's always hard conversations because um, only now I'm learning to appreciate those conversations because before I was like, why are you bullying me? So that's exactly, you know, that's the first reaction. Like if somebody is saying something you don't want to hear. So the first reaction is like uh, trying to like, you know, defend your border boundaries and trying to like be defensive. Like, what do you mean? Why do you think that? Like, I'm not doing it that that way that you see. But then I, after uh, several several examples, I understood that she's totally right. And uh, if she sees something, at least I have to pay attention for it. It doesn't mean that I have to stop doing it uh, immediately. At least I have to pay attention about it. And i would say that uh it was a lot about my community journey because when i started doing it it was with seo club and other ukrainian communities um it didn't look like a job so it was like it was like, I'm talking to people, I'm having fun and all this stuff. And uh, it seems like it was no results. And I believe that she was this person who told me like, okay, I understand that you have fun. I understand that you enjoy talking to people, but think about how can you use it as a professional benefit and how can you use your skills and what you learn to make money, you know, <laughs> because it, it's so good, but uh, it, it it won't be bad to make money. Uh, definitely, it's it. It were not that kind words as I'm talking about right now. But uh and I definitely got defensive because like you don't understand. I'm doing it. Like it's everything coming in the future and all the stuff. But she really made me uh, think more about. Okay, so. What are my um strong points? What are my strong sides? Uh wh- what I can really bring to the table, and uh how can I present myself in this world as not just a good person but as an expert? So it was just one of uh, one of conversations, and we had a lot of those conversations, and yeah, you know, it got me almost 8 years to understand that it's not bullying it's really her wanting to help me
0: <laughs> yeah and uh that's a, that's a long time dude <laughs>
1: uh, yeah i am you know i'm a long learner
0: <laughs> <laughs> um okay so so speaking of being a slow learner <laughs> um so it's it's also like you know it's also no secret it's also public knowledge that you um you love music but a lot of the music that you love is from like a long time ago (laughs) and um it's from like a particular moment in time that seems to be like a particular moment in your life um so you know i've been observing i've been observing your kind of like oh this is a song that i love this is a song that i love and like i feel like a lot a lot of it kind of distills on a particular moment in time. Um, I would love to hear more about like why that moment in time is like so so formative for you, so important to you, and why the music from there like still lives on in your heart, um, and and why you haven't updated your favorite songs in a long time. It's an
1: amazing <laughs> question. Like I I didn't I didn't think about it, but when you were just asking it, it all came to my mind immediately. And I understand that those songs I like and that I still have a lot of them in my playlist and I still have a lot of them in my car. And uh, those songs I were listening when I was a teenager and, you know, this age of rebellion and trying to find my way in a society and uh, having, like, some kind of problems with parents and not always being the best student and, uh, you know, trying to make things my way and trying to understand what is my way. And um, I love listening to songs that make sense for me. So uh, if we're talking like, I sometimes I'm asking people this question, like, if you are listening to a song, what matters more, music or sense. So for me, it's always words and always sense. And even if I like music, but I don't like the meaning behind those words, I won't listen to this song. So I believe that, um, all those songs I liked and still like are somehow showing my inner world, or at least my kind of inner intentions. And uh, it's not a secret that uh, I l- love a lot of Eminem and uh, Linkin Park songs. And what I really loved about them, that they were so emotional that, you know, it's going through the roof. There are a lot of other like metal and rap groups and singers who do the same. But for me, they mo- most of them lack emotions they're doing it just for, you know, they're doing it just just for money, just for... And it doesn't feel that they live what what they think about. And I really love if uh, people add in some of their personal emotions and stories into their um, songs or into their books or into the conversations because I understand, like, okay, so this person feeling similar to me. So I'm not alone. So, you know, it's all intersection with community, even though I didn't think about community uh, back then, but it's all intersected. And uh, it's kind of like finding my tribe and trying to understand what what my tribe is. And, uh, you know, some songs I stopped listening to. I don't... I can't recall what exactly, but I remember that five years ago or something, I massively cleared my playlist because you know previously it's now we have all songs in clouds, and I told to my wife, "Oh, I have to update music in our car because I just use this um, not CD, but the, I, I use MP3 player in uh, in the car, so I need to upload new songs to the to it." I was like, oh, I didn't even download any new songs because they are all on Spotify. And uh, But um, I updated my song database and it was like 100 gigabytes or even more. And now it's like 20. So it's not that much. So I kind of left only those songs that I still like. And why it's hard to add new ones maybe i'm getting old <laughs> but i feel like previously people made better music i don't know why but maybe it's all because of spotify feeds me with the wrong songs uh but it's i i just don't know how to discover new music and not only i don't know but i don't have much time to discover new music and that's exactly why i uh It's also because of Pat. it's also because of Ilker, but uh, my inner, you know, uh, thoughts, that's exactly why I started asking people to share songs of the week uh, after Between Two Work Wars, because I enjoy talking to these people and I really want to learn from them. I really want to hear their tastes of music and I found some great songs out of that. So yeah, that's how it works for me.
0: Thank you so much for that in-depth answer. I wasn't, I honestly wasn't expecting so much of a, a biography. I think it's, I think it's really interesting the the music that speaks to us, right? And the music that we relate to. Um, I definitely used to be more of a lyrics person, but like um, I basically started listening to music in languages that I don't understand and like completely fell in love with like the music. And a lot of it for me is like related to dancing as well. And like these, like these songs that you can like really dance to. Um, so yeah now now i care way more about the music and the vibe um but i guess what i wanted to follow on with um is something that i don't feel like we've talked about much before is obviously you love music but i don't know whether you love any other kinds of art um i don't know like we've talked a little bit about movies but but not in in great depth um and yeah i'm curious to know like what what kind of like, you know, art or creativity do you engage with outside of yourself and and your own work um, and your own family?
1: Hmm. 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 Um, I would say that I still love movies, but I can not say that, uh, you know, those art movies, let's say, all those you can see on Cannes festivals and all the stuff. So it's more like pop movies, you know, like comedies, like some... Uh, action movies and all the stuff, but uh, sometimes I'm watching hard movies, like I watched uh, a few movies about uh, the Second uh, World War and like uh, about people' lives, and uh, because it's relate relates to me a lot, you know, in in, in current world, and. Uh, For me, sometimes those kind of movies are too hard because I'm a big fan of not wearing other people's shoes because I'm afraid that if I will do it, I will lose myself. I will lose myself and not to the music. I will lose myself to other lives. And I understand that I have my own life. I have my own family. I have my friends. I have people I talk to and uh, it's so much better if we, you know, add to each other lives instead of disappearing in other lives. And um, I would say movies, if we can call it art. And uh, I really love books. So I really love re- reading books and I noticed that when I'm reading some kind of like um business books or books about psychology and all, like books people do you know to get money or to teach someone. So I receive a lot of thoughts out of those books, but I notice that uh it's so much easier for me to read. I'm always mixing this fiction or non-fiction. So Am I correct that fiction is uh, imaginary books? So it's... Okay, so uh, when I'm reading fictional books, I'm reading them so much faster because it's about people's lives. It's about stories. It's about feelings. It's about emotions. And I really love to read those kind of books and to learn from them. Sometimes I even learn from fictional books much more than from non-fictional And I also, I noticed that I like writing, you know, and sharing my thoughts and my findings with other people. So if it's a part of art, so I will also call it, but just to tell, I'm totally lousy fan of, uh, like drawings and pictures in these art galleries because I just don't understand them. So I can see that it's a beautiful picture or I can see that it's a bright picture, but I, it's hard for me to add any kind of meaning to a drawing. So I need more, more information, you know, more backstory, more story about this person's life. Like in what, uh, what did they feel when they were writing this picture? what uh people they were talking to what happened around them at their time and only after that i can understand what it's all about so uh always when we are going to some museums or some art galleries it's like five minutes and i'm i'm out so (laughs) i like okay i've seen everything it's enough
0: (laughs) yeah thank you yeah really interesting um in, like I think that what's what's interesting is that you you seem to like you gravitate towards words maybe more than pictures um, Even the fact that you you know, you like watching documentaries as well um, Yeah, it's,
1: it's, there are still words, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly exactly. Um, I think it's super interesting um, And I wonder like when it comes to reading reading books, we you talked about how before you were reading mostly in English um do you find that like when it comes to something like fiction um the the richness of the emotion changes depending on what language you're you're reading in um do you do you experience any differences when you're reading in ukrainian versus when you're reading in english Mm,
1: i've recently read ukrainian authors and i noticed um that they are totally in line with worldwide authors and uh one of uh, there is there is a writer ivan franco and uh one of his uh poems i read it or romances i don't i don't know i'm not a big you know a big fan of um it, i don't know how to call them correctly but some story so he wrote some story and i noticed that. Wow, this story is like not worse than Eric Maria Remarks, or it's not worse than Jack london's, so it's it's in line with worldwide authors, and it's not it's not very popular it's even not very popular in Ukraine because you know in Ukraine people tend to read uh, American authors or like European authors because we kind of like want to learn from them, but sometimes we forget about our own authors. And I was like, it was a big discovery for me. And uh, most of the books I read uh, in Ukrainian were translation of English or other languages. So basically, you know, there is not, uh, definitely I prefer to read the book in, uh, in a language of, uh, in, in an Norwegian language, because I can understand what authors really meant not what translator meant, because translators still, you know, bringing these books through their mind and uh, choosing their words, not author's words. But um, if you are talking, you know, Ukrainian people, if you look into the history, Ukrainian people were struggling a lot, always. So it's a lot of struggling. in in those writings. And, uh, you know, in the moment of struggling, you can definitely understand it. But in the moment of happiness, it might be boring because like, what are they talking about? I don't get it. But when you struggle, when you have similar emotions, it's so much easier to relate. So I believe it it, it also depends on conditions uh, and time, and uh, emotions and what happened at the moment something was written. So, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I answered your initial question, but I feel like um, there is definitely, like, there are a lot of differences and there are a lot of similarities. So I can't say for sure, but it's the same as talking to people, you know, like, talking to people in ukraine and talking to people in english might be similar if people are sharing similar values and if people are having similar mindsets so basically it's it's all i would say it's more about mindset and people than the the than not than language
0: yeah i think that that makes total sense um and it absolutely resonates with like my experience of of reading literature like not just not just like literature in other languages and translate it into English but also like you know English language literature there is like so many different kind of like historical moments and experiences um to be perfectly honest I tend not to read a lot of um stuff by like European authors um I typically read stuff by you know international authors like people who are maybe, Um, from other English speaking regions of the world who are still writing in English um, or who have like migrated to English speaking countries and are writing in English but but there's experiences again like I they resonate more with like my own experience of living in Europe as somebody who's not fully from here yeah Um, and living in the U.S. as somebody who was never from the U.S. right so um, so yeah like I completely relate to that and I I think like my curiosity was about like the way that you process language and when you're reading in Ukrainian, whether there's like, you know, a, a kind of deeper emotional connection maybe with the words that you're reading. Um, or whether you find that at this point your um your English emotional language is just as just as deep and just as rich um internally inside of your head. I
1: read one book. Um I don't remember the name of it, and I don't remember the author, but It was uh, some U.S. uh, fictional writer Uh, and uh, I noticed that I had to read every page with a translator because it was so rich language. There were so many words I didn't know that it was super hard for me to read. And because if you are reading non-fictional books, they're super easy, you know, even people with the beginner level of uh, English knowledge can read those books. But if you are going deeper, it's super hard. So definitely there is, uh, there is some differences because Ukraine is my native and I feel it by heart. And I'm, I'm still not that, you know, even though people are telling me that I have a good level of English, it's just conversational. Like I have no ideas about how to express emotions like in so much different ways so it's definitely harder for me to read like English English authors American authors
0: yeah for sure I, I understand that like um, you know I I live in France and I'm, I'm speaking French and I'm reading French but like the the kind of the emotional complexity that I'm capable of is just I, I don't know if I'll ever reach that level of emotional complexity in another language than I have in the one that I kind of, I went through my teenage years in, right. That that I like discovered my emotional self in. (laughs)
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's, that's how you told me, you know, as this transactional level is good,
0: but Mm -hmm. emotional
1: level still a lot to learn.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's wild, right? Like we, we kind of have all these levels of ourselves as well. And I think one of the things that we've, that's sort of like woven through this conversation that we've had today is about how you know we kind of we connect with our emotional self um and how we kind of connect with our like cerebral or social self and where those things overlap but also where they where they diverge um and I wonder whether you find that when you're moving through the world you tend to be like you find yourself being like more of an emotional person or more of a a cerebral person do you You tend to be more logical or do you get like hit by emotion first and then like rationalize your feelings later?
1: I can't name myself a rational person, even though my wife tells me that I'm a rather logical person. So even if I do something emotionally, there is still some logic behind it. So it won't like you know I would totally strange thing. So it can be emotional, but it still be logical, at least for me. <laughs> so uh, I would say that more emotional, and I would say that I'm moving more to emotional part because you know there is so much rationality around us, and even if talking about this country boundaries, and uh, talking about different laws, uh, different taxation systems, and even though that, you know, we as Ukrainians have to have visas to travel to other countries, for example, and people from the U.S. do not have to have visas, which is really very weird, but still. And um, all those things, I, I can't say that they are scaring me, but I feel like I feel like people are getting rid of those boundaries already so it's it's like after covid it showed that no matter where you are in the world it just matter what kind of person are you and who are you inside because you can connect with anyone we are zoom or we uh, are any other you know tool and you can have still have these deep conversations if you click and also i noticed that at least it's my thought that you can't build friendships on, only on rationality. You know, it's just impossible. You can't be rational friends. You can't be rational colleagues. You can't be rational business partners. You can be, I don't know, rational movie boy. <laughs> Once again, I have no idea. But you can't be uh, rational friends. It's all about emotions. It's all about being who you really are and seeing how other people um, approach your emotions and if other people can be themselves with you and share their emotions. Because, you know, it's also, it won't be fair if somebody, like, is very emotional and another person is rational because it won't click. You won't receive this emotional feedback and one person will look for it And another person will think that it's just too much so it's always good to understand if you are connected on an emotional level first and then see if you can you know do some stuff together in the future once again if you need it maybe not sometimes it's good just to have good conversations
0: yeah that's that's pretty profound (laughs) so um so while we all wish that the sky was the limit (laughs) Unfortunately, time is the limit, and that feels like a good place to like wrap up this conversation. It feels like we've really like traveled this kind of spectrum between emotional and rational. Um, so I have two questions for you to wrap up. and um, they're kind of quick fire questions, but I can imagine that they may go on a little longer. So um, I would like you to name one fear for the future.
1: Yeah, so what i'm what am i I'm afraid of? Yes. And it can be either emotional or rational. Ah, it's all connected (laughs) with me and my family and I have no ideas where in the world I will find myself in, like, in the future. And the biggest fear I have right now is if we will feel safe. You know, because I did, I never thought about that before the war started, but now it's like my deepest fear and yeah, I'm still trying to deal with it. But once again, only the, uh, I don't know what the future holds and I'm, I'm trying not to think a lot about it, but still.
0: The emotions there are still all the same, right? Even if you don't rationalize. <laughs> yeah,
1: you, you never know. You know, I, I rationalize, I rational, I tried to rationalize for 33 years of my life. And then overnight, everything changed. So it's all about seeing what happens next and it's all about emotions.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm not gonna leave us on that note. So I would like the follow-up question to be like, what is your biggest hope for the future?
1: My biggest hope, and I almost sure that it's impossible, that the world gets rid of any weapon they have. And uh, that every conversation, every, you know, like every question will be resolved by just negotiating and finding some compromise and, uh, you know, finding some benefits in every situation instead of fighting about every simple thing. And uh, I, I remember this, um, I heard this um, research when there are two people and uh, you have $10 and you have to divide those $10 uh, with each other. You can divide them equally, like five, five, or you can divide them like nine for you, one for a- another person. And uh, one person choose how to divide and another person choose agree or not and if this person agrees everyone receives what first person told and if they disagree everyone receives nothing so it was so strange for me that even if somebody you know divides like 9 1 another person choose to refuse they choose to receive zero for everyone instead of having one for themselves. And I'm always thinking about that and like, okay, so if I can change something, I will try to change. If I can reach equality, I will try to reach equality. But if I can't, why should I care about making other people worse? I will care about making my life better. And if I can't, for example, in this situation, if I can't choose, if I can only choose should I receive one dollar or zero? I'd better have one. I don't care about other person. I will be happy for this person if they receive nine dollars. I understand that at some point, I will receive my nine dollars. So, yeah, so my biggest hope is that people find a way how to receive any kind of conflicts and any kind of uh, misunderstanding, just by having real deep emotional conversations instead of killing each other.
0: That is a big hope indeed. <laughs> um, so I feel like this conversation could keep on going on, you know, and that there is, there's so much that we can talk about, about, you know, the, both the past and the present and then the future as well as the present, um, but here we are. It has been such a joy get to ask you these questions and to hear your answers thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to interview you
1: thank you so much ella you asked just amazing deep questions as always you know like i'm always i'm so amazed of what questions you're always asking and yeah it was just a pleasure for me to answer all those questions and thank you very much for proposing to switch seats it's it's, it's a great experience
0: And see you in the community world. (laughs) See
1: you soon. Bye. And thank you so much for listening. If you liked our conversation, hit the like button on five stars and share it with your friends. That's it. We're done. See you in the next episode.